king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Tyler couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Well, if you came in sleepy this morning, that'll wake you up. From Reverend S.M. Lockridge, that sermon has now been shared millions of times all around the world. And every time I hear the sermon, it gets me fired up. I think about how powerful the words are, how passionate he is. And every time I hear the sermon, it makes me think about this question, who is my king? Who is my king? And that's really the question I want to put to you this morning. Who is your king? Who is the king, the leader, the ruler, the sovereign ultimate authority over your life? Who is your 
king? That's the question I want to reflect on this morning, and I want to invite you to continue to reflect on this Holy Week. And now when I say the word king, if you just just close your eyes and think about a king in your mind, I mean, you probably have an image of of a type of person. You probably have an image of a, of a place, maybe a personality, maybe what this person is wearing. Maybe it was somebody a few hundred years ago. Maybe it's somebody who, who you're hoping will succeed the throne, you know, in, in some countries far away. But, but I don't want to talk about those kind of kings this morning. This morning, I want to talk about the king that, that Reverend Lockridge talked about. I want to talk about the king of my life. I want to talk about the king that we've been following as we've been going throughout gospel, the John's gospel the last number of weeks the king that we read and heard about this morning, King Jesus. King Jesus. You see, Jesus is a different kind of king. He's a different kind of king than the world had ever seen before, than the world has ever seen since. He's a different kind of king than most of us imagine in our minds or have ever even thought about. So I want you to be honest. When when I say the word king and you have an image in your mind, how many of you have an image of a gold crown? Okay, raise your hand. Gold crown, maybe some purple velvet, maybe a palace in a faraway place. Yeah. I don't even know why that is. Like if it's our British roots or, or like some Disney movie we all saw, but like when you ask people in America today their vision of a king, that's what people think of. Someone who's rich, someone who spends their life around royalty important people in important places, people who have all the resources they could want at their disposal. And, and, and that's the way earthly kings typically operate. But when Jesus walked this earth, he was a different kind of king. He didn't have earthly riches. He wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a stable. He wasn't born into a royal family. He was born into a poor peasant family. And as he grew up, he had the power. He had all power. He could have turned stones into bricks of gold, but he never did that. He never owned his own home. He, he just stayed wherever people would let him. Whoever loved him enough to show him hospitality, that's where he slept. He didn't spend time around royal people in high-class, highfalutin places. No, instead, he went to the outcasts, the marginalized, the notorious sinners in society, the people that others just pushed to the edge And as you heard a few minutes ago, at the end of his life, when he was given a crown, it was a crown of thorns. He was given a cloak, but it was to mock him. And in his last hours, he spent it next to two criminals. Kings in this world are often rich and surrounded by royalty, but King Jesus, when he walked this earth, chose to be poor and to spend his time with the lowly. And, and, and when you look at, at Jesus' life, I mean, when I think about a king, one of the other things I think about is, maybe this is you, somebody just like feeding grapes into the king's mouth. Anybody have that image in their mind? Like, I don't know where that comes from. But I think about like a king getting what they want, when they want it, however they want it, being domineering, just yelling down, barking orders at other people. That's how earthly kings often operate and keep and sustain and get their power. But Jesus, again, he's different. Jesus, when he was going about his ministry, he said, I came not to be served, but to serve. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, there's an argument with some of the disciples. 
about positions and power and all this kind of stuff. And Jesus says this, the son of man, he's talking about himself, didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He's a different kind of king. And there are many other ways that, that he's a different kind of king, but, but in John chapter 18, when we were reading it earlier, I mean, Jesus speaks one of them to Pilate. Because in this conversation about, about Jesus' kingship, Jesus says to him, look, my kingdom is not from this world. My kingdom is not of this world. He says, look, if I was a king who, who was like all these other earthly kings, I would have destroyed all y'all by now. There would have been violence. We, we would have been fighting you. I mean, Simon Peter, if you remember, after Jesus is arrested in the garden, takes a sword and cuts a guy's ear off. And what does Jesus say? Put away your weapons. Jesus is saying, I'm a different kind of king. Jesus isn't the kind of king who destroys his enemies. Jesus is the kind of king who dies for his enemies. He's the kind of king who suffers, is beaten, and mocked and hung upon a cross. He willingly dies for his enemies because he loves them. Because he loves his friends. Because he loves people who came before him and because he loves people who came after him. Because he loves me and because he loves you. He laid down his life. He's a different kind of king. And in his very first sermon, in Mark's gospel, he says this. He says, repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom of God is at hand. And what that word repent means is, is basically turn. Turn from your old way of life. Turn from having all these other types of kings. Turn from all of these other people and positions and all these philosophies that are, that are taking authority over your life. Turn and believe in me. Trust in me for my kingdom is at hand. See, Jesus said my kingdom is not from this world, but Jesus' kingdom was for this world. And when we look at Jesus' kingdom that he brought about, and he's bringing about what we find is it's a different kind of kingdom. It's a different kind of kingdom than most of us are used to and can imagine. Because when you think of kingdom, you probably think, like me, of a, of a geographical boundary, right? The king reigns over, over this area, and we usually think about it being time sensitive. The king reigns over this place for a certain amount of time until the people rebel or another king takes over. Kings and kingdoms, we think, you know, they just kind of pass away and they, they cycle through history and then there's democracy and then maybe there's another king. And, and like this is how it goes, but Jesus' kingdom is different because Jesus' kingdom has no geographical boundaries. Jesus' kingdom is open to all people. Jesus' kingdom is made up of all people who repent and believe and say, I want you as my king. And who surrender to him and seek to follow him with their very lives. Jesus' kingdom is also unending. It's unending. There, there is no end. He, he started it when he walked this earth. And when he returns, it will be fully established. Jesus' kingdom is different. He says it's an upside-down kingdom that those who are first in this world will be last in his kingdom, and those who are last in this world will be first in his kingdom. So he's saying those who are, who are weak, who are humble, who, who struggle in this life, people who are stomped upon, people who are looked down upon, he's saying, look, in my kingdom, those people are going to be at the top. The proud, 
the mighty, those who are using destruction and all these negative forces to get their power, they're going to be at the bottom. He says, my kingdom is an upside down kingdom. And one thing I love also about this kingdom being different is that Jesus as a different kind of king and with a different kind of kingdom. He doesn't rule from afar. He's not distant. He's not far off. He's not impersonal, just like shouting orders down at people he doesn't know, like we often think of kings doing. Instead, he is a personal king. He is a king who knows everybody in the kingdom by name. He knows their strengths. He knows their weaknesses. He knows their secrets. He knows their, their gifts. He knows what they need. He knows when they need it, and he seeks to give his people what they need right when they need it. He's a different kind of king with a different kind of kingdom. And so maybe this helps you understand why on that Palm Sunday, when all those people were, were shouting Hosanna and waving palms and welcoming as, as their king, right? They, they were excited. They were like, here he is. He's gonna destroy our enemies He's going to establish a palace here. He's going to take over with force. We are ready for it. Now you understand why, how at the end of the week, when Jesus didn't meet their expectations, people had turned on him. And they were no longer shouting for him to be their king. Instead, they were shouting at him, mocking him on the cross. And they were saying, what kind of king is this? We thought you were going to come rule with power. So they made fun of him. They hurled insults at him. In, in Matthew's gospel, we read this. The religious leaders and elders mocking him, saying he saved others, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and then we will believe in him. You see, they didn't get it. They didn't understand. He, he was a different kind of king than they had ever seen before. They didn't understand that it was through submission to death on the cross, that he was achieving salvation. They couldn't see that, that as he laid down his life, he was making a pathway for everyone in this world to experience life. They couldn't see that as he was lifted up on the cross like a common criminal of the day, that God was exalting him and enthroning him as king. They couldn't see it. They didn't understand it. He was a different type of king with a different type of kingdom. And so instead of crowning him, they killed him. Instead of serving and submitting to him, they shunned him. Instead of worshiping him, they hurled words of insults at him. They made a choice that day how they were going to respond to Jesus. And this morning, what I want you to see is that each of us have to make a choice as well. We have to make a choice. Will we worship him? Will we enthrone him over our lives? Will we serve him? Will we submit to him? Or will we give the top spot in our lives to someone or something else? And over the last number of weeks, we've been going throughout John's gospel. And my hope through all of it has been that as you see Jesus' identity as you see who he is, as you see why he came, as you see the miracles that he did, as you see all of his teachings that took place, my, my hope and desire and prayer for you this whole time is that you would make him the king of your life. 
that, that you would put him in that top spot. Because when you do that, when you worship and celebrate this different kind of king who's bringing about a different kind of kingdom, you receive a different kind of life. There are great rewards when Jesus is the king of your life. Instead of guilt of your sins, there's forgiveness for your sins. Instead of being a slave to sin, there's freedom over sin. Instead of, of, of just a drudgery, boring, no good life here and now, there's abundant life on this earth. Instead of eternal death apart from God, there is eternal life with God. Instead of just being angry and on edge all the time, there is a fullness of the Holy Spirit that will fill you with love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, and so much more. There are great rewards when Jesus is your king. But there are also great responsibilities. And this is something we don't like to talk about a lot of times in churches today. But with the great rewards come great responsibilities. And Jesus says, if you're going to be in my kingdom, I want to give you all these rewards. But I also need you to die to yourself. I also need you to take up your cross and follow me daily. I also need you to be willing to be mocked and made fun of. I also need you not to seek to always be served by other people, but I need you to serve other people. I need you not to seek to destroy your enemies with your words or with your posts or with your actions. No, I need you to love your enemies. And if called upon to even lay down your life for your enemies. There are great rewards and there are great responsibilities. But I'll tell you this, choosing Jesus as your king, no matter the cost, it is always worth it. It's always worth it. So I want to ask again, who is the king of your life? There are a lot of people who are trying to get in that top spot. There are a lot of possessions you have that are, that are trying to get into that top spot. There are a lot of philosophies and political ideologies that are trying to get into that top spot. And this is why answering this question, who is your king, it's not, it's not a one and done decision. It's a decision we have to make each and every day. And my hope this morning, this Holy Week, as we move into Easter, and remember not only Jesus' death, but also his resurrection, his victory over the grave, my hope is that you will choose once again that Jesus is your king. Or maybe for the first time, you would say, I want Jesus as my king. I want him as the Lord and the leader and the ultimate authority over my life. And this is a, is a personal decision we each have to make. It's a decision we each have to make in the stillness of our own hearts. And when we choose Jesus as king, we become citizens of his kingdom. We become part of, of this larger family of God. There are great rewards. There are great responsibilities. So today, who will it be for you?
My hope is that it'll be Jesus. And over here we have a, we have a cross. And usually it's, it's in this corner and you might not notice it too much, but there are, there's a number of signatures on the cross. This is from a, a few years ago. We asked a similar question and we said, hey, if you want to say yes, Jesus is my king, we invite you to come and sign the cross. And so some of you, if you were here a few years ago, you might find your signature upon that, that cross. And maybe since you signed it, you, you've enthroned someone or something else as your king. And, and this morning, you want to come forward and sign it again and say, you know what? I'm choosing again this day that Jesus is my king. So you can underline your name, you can check it, you can sign it again. And maybe, maybe you weren't here, maybe you've never thought about who's in the top spot of your life. But maybe this morning you want to say, yeah, Jesus is my king. We invite you to come and, and, to, and to sign this cross as a public declaration. Because although choosing Jesus as your king is a personal decision, there's also a time and a place to declare it publicly. To say, yeah, he is my king. And so in just a few minutes or just a moment, the band's going to come up and they're going to play another song to help us reflect on the cross. And I invite you, if you want to come forward and kneel here and, and pray or pray in your seat, reflect on who Jesus is and how your life is going, we invite you to do that personally in your chair. And if you'd like to publicly say today, you know what? I'm choosing for the first time or once again, Jesus is my king. If you want to answer that question, S.M. Lockridge said, do you know him? And you want to let people know, we invite you to come and sign it. And so as we prepare our hearts to answer this question once again, would you bow your heads in a word of prayer with me? God, we know in this world there are a lot of people and there are a lot of things trying to lead us. Fighting for our attention, fighting for authority, fighting for space. There are a lot of things and people trying to get us to submit to them. But God, we celebrate this morning that only you are worthy of our submission. Only you are worthy of of our lives. And so God, we pray today, we pray this holy week as we reflect on all that you've done for us, as we reflect upon you, our crucified King, we pray that you would stir in our hearts. We pray that you would move us. We pray that you would give us the courage to say yes to you. Yes to the different kind of life that you're bringing. Yes to the different kind of kingdom that you are beginning in our world and that you will one day bring to completion. God, help us to say yes to you and no to all of the other lesser things. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I invite you to, to stand and during this final song, um, if you'd like to come forward and sign the cross, uh, we have a basket of markers over there and they'll be sanitized in between people. We invite you to pray. We invite you to reflect on who is king of your life today.